The Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the Iranian nuclear deal are the two main topics of discussion between Israel and the United States. We will discuss the prophetic significance of these events and many others on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Wow, what a prophecy conference we had this weekend in South Flint Tabernacle, uh, just south of Flint, Michigan. Man, it was awesome. We had a great crowd and a lot of people were touched by the Lord. Great lesson. And so thank everybody for joining me in South Flint Tabernacle We've got other prophecy conferences coming up around the United States the rest of the year. So looking forward to seeing many of you at those conferences. For all the information, 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Go under the events and the conferences section to see where we're going to be uh, throughout the rest of the year. You know, the Bible talks about a final seven-year period that will immediately precede the Battle of Armageddon, second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. And it also describes the specific event that will mark the beginning of that final seven years. And that's the reason we talk about that event, that event as the prophecy with a date on it. It's Daniel's 70th week, and the Bible says when that, when that peace agreement is signed that starts that event, then there's only seven years left. Well, we're watching precursors to many of those events that will happen during that final seven years. We're watching them happen right now, which lets us know conclusively that we are in the end time. And it is of utmost importance that each of us understands that this final seven year, um, like a timeline, if you will, of, of these events Because our generation is undoubtedly going to live during the fulfillment of these prophecies. Unless the Lord should take anybody home, we will be the ones that see him return. You realize, I was telling the people up in uh, Flint, Michigan this weekend, there's about a thousand prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Bible. There's over 50 prophecies of, of the Antichrist alone. But of those 1,000 prophecies, I showed everybody a timeline. The events on that timeline, that's all that's left to occur. Everything else has already taken place, you understand. We're way off into the end time here. We're just prior to that final seven-year period. And many of those events are taking place or precursors to them as we speak, everybody. I'm talking about June 28th, 2021. We are just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So when you think about this peace agreement, the event, the event, if if the 
a peace agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians, if, we, if it have the five characteristics, the prophetic characteristics of that peace agreement, we will have started this final seven-year period. This, an agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians is what's being talked about between the United States and Israel and other entities right now. I mean, Israel Hayam, they had an, a, a news article the foreign minister, um, Yair Lapid, which you understand, Naftali Bennett, they just created a new government. Naftali Bennett is now the prime minister. And the foreign minister is Yair Lapid, who will eventually take over as the prime minister. Well, foreign minister, this uh, Yair Lapid, and U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, they met in Rome yesterday calling for a reset for U.S.-Israeli relations. They said, hey, we've been through, you know, our, our government's been through four elections. Our country's been through four elections over the last couple of years. We had President Trump. We had Netanyahu. Now that's gone. Now we're in the Biden administration, Naftali Bennett, Yair Lapid era. So they said, hey, we need to make sure, where's the United States stand on this? Where's Israel stand on this? We want to solidify our relationship here. But our current Secretary of State, he spoke of the need to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And while this, the Biden administration supports and hopes to expand on the Abraham Accords, which came in under Trump, the, the normalized relations between Israel and several of the Arab countries, Blinken said that they are, they, the Abraham Accords are not a substitute for engaging on the issues between Israeli-Palestinians that need to be resolved. This is one thing you have to understand. Uh, many, many people got confused when we started talking about the Abraham Accords because President Trump, back in early 2020, revealed a, uh, he proposed a peace plan. And it, they were moving quickly to annex portions of the West Bank into Israel. It called for that in the, in the peace plan. And the United Arab Emirates, they saw what was happening and they said, whoa, 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 hold on. If you will not do that, if you will pull that off the table, just put that on the shelf for right now. We, the United Arab Emirates will go ahead and normalize relations with Israel, which was unheard of under the, um, Arab, uh, the, um, the Arab Peace Initiative that and that said no unless anybody unless Israel and the Palestinians get their conflict worked out and they have a peace then there can be no peace with the Arab nations but the United Arab Emirates stepped up and said hey we will go ahead and normalize relations with Israel if you will pull that West Bank annexation off the table which is exactly what would happen. Well, that kind of put an end to President Trump's peace deal because he thought, well, hey, if I can get, if I can get a lot of these Arab nations to normalize relations with Israel, that'll bring the Palestinians to a possible peace agreement as well because the Arab, their Arab brethren will be influential enough to bring them to the peace plan, uh, to a uh, future peace plan. And so that's what has happened. But a lot of people 
have contacted us and said, hey, you know, we, they signed the Abraham Accords on, in September of 2020. That was the peace agreement that started the final seven years. No, actually it was not. You don't, well, you don't want to get confused here. They did normalize relations. The Bible says in Daniel 9, 27, and he shall confirm a covenant. The Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many for a final seven-year peace deal. And that we know that it's confirming the Abrahamic covenant, confirming Israel's right to exist in the Middle East. That is true. And the, the Abraham Accords could lead to the agreement that starts the final seven years. But remember, you have to have those characteristics included in all of that. And we'll talk about a lot of this when we get back from the break because there's so much happening in the news right now. I wanted to give you a real quick update on many things. We'll see you when we get back. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of revelation don't miss this special offer call now 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com to order call or go online now to get this comprehensive bible study we've seen bible prophecy fulfilled like never before From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith. In the hearts of Christians around the world, we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. So you realize Daniel 9.27, the Bible says Israel, the Antichrist, would confirm a covenant with many. And so a lot of people said, well, hey, well, there's the Abraham Accords. There was a lot of Arab nations on board with this. And so they're normalizing relations with Israel. And so this is the peace agreement that started the final seven years. But actually it was not because you have to understand the characteristics that go, the prophesied characteristic, characteristics that will be included in the peace agreement. And they all deal with Israel and the Palestinians. So the Arab Accords, they could lead to the eventual peace agreement, but they're not the peace agreement that starts the final seven years. The Bible's going to be, the Bible's very specific on these characteristics 
uh, God did not want us to make a mistake. In other words, we will know when that peace agreement is signed. So with that said, we know that the peace agreement has to be between Israel and the Palestinians. Well, Blinken met with Yair Lapid in Rome yesterday and he said, look, I understand we've got the Arab, uh, the Abraham Accords, and that's all fine and good and well, and we support that. But, Yair Lapid, I want to make sure you understand that did not solve the Israeli-Palestinian issue, which we knew that as well. And so he said, we've got to get talking on that issue as well, because the United States is going to pressure them. So is the international community, Europe, everybody's going to pressure them to get something done. Because a lot of people see the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as one of the major um, uh, boiling points, uh, the, the, the major issues in the Middle East, the major conflict uh, things that are sparking all of these conflict in the Middle East. They're saying that, no, no, we've got to do, we've got to handle that. And of course, we know that's not going to be the end of the conflict because the Battle of Armageddon is coming. The great tribulation is coming. A lot of things are going to happen, but the Bible says they're going to get an agreement signed. So that's one of the things that happened yesterday. Well, Israel Hayam also published a, a, an article that Ra'am, the Ra'am chief, his name is Abbas, that he's eyeing to revive the Israeli-Palestinian peace talks. You say, well, who is he? Okay, so they just formed a new government. They have eight different parties. In, in our government, we normally have, we've got the Palestinians, or the Palestinians. Yeah, we got the Palestinians in our government. Uh, we actually do. The, we have the Republicans and the Democrats. You got two parties. Well, imagine in Israel, they have eight parties. Think about that. And one of their parties is an Arab faction. So, the leader of that, the Ra'am is, his name is Mansur Abbas, not Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinians, but Mansur Abbas. And he is work, trying to work some back deals on getting the Israeli peace initiative. Those peace talks started again. Did you think that anything else was going to happen? But Mansur Abbas, he tells he told the Arab media that he can't elaborate on the efforts that his party has undertaken over these sensitive political issues pertaining to those negotiations, but he's working behind the scenes to get the Israeli-Palestinian peace talks back in motion. Well, if he could get something done there, which I mean, I don't know who's going to get it done. I know it's going to get done according to the prophecies of the Bible, which always come to pass. But now there's a very influential Arab member in the Israeli government. Why is he so influential? Because if he were to pull out of the government, the thing would topple. And then we go back into a fifth Israeli election. So he's got a voice in the, in the Israeli government. And he's pushing for the Palestinians He's Arab. And, you know, it's which you, you see, we have the same dynamic here in the United States. We have Arab individuals that are pushing for the, the, the Palestinians rather than Israel. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, a really a crazy dynamic. You, you've, you've heard of the squad here. Everybody knows who they are. 
And they are, they're anti-Israel. And that's kind of what's going on in the actual Israel government itself. They've got an Arab faction. And so who knows what will get this peace agreement started again. Will it be the pressure? I mean, it's a new Israeli government. Um, Netanyahu has been really good at kind of evading and knowing when to pivot and things like that. But who knows? But what maybe this new Israeli government, it seems like the current prime minister, Naftali Bennett, is really a, um, he's to the right. He's more, more, even more conservative than a Netanyahu. But Yair Lapid is going to be taking office uh, maybe in uh, what would be two, two and a half years or so. And who knows? But what they could get something done and kind of pressure him and he would buckle under the pressure and sign a deal, creating a two-state solution, that type of scenario, which is the Bible says is going to happen. And so uh, an, an autonomous situation for the Palestinians out there in the West Bank. So this is what we're living through right now. The Middle East peace agreement that starts the final seven years. I mean, Daniel 9.27, again, it prophesies the Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many for that final seven-year period. You understand we are just prior to that happening. And and folks, listen to me. I'm not sensationalizing this at all. I'm not trying to get you in fear mode. I'm I'm simply trying to inform you. We do not have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years left. All of the prophecies that are supposed to occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ have either already occurred, they're happening right now, or we're seeing precursors to every single one of them. Every one. So we're not living hundreds and hundreds of years away from the second coming in the Battle of Armageddon. If, this, if they can get a peace agreement signed between the Israelis and Palestinians and it has the characteristics of the peace agreement, then we've started the final seven years. I'll be able to come on the radio and say, folks, we just started. But we're going to send the magazine to every home in Israel written in Hebrew and English. And we're going to be warning them about what's coming. And so this peace agreement is going to be a confirmation of God's covenant between Abraham uh, between God, uh, God's covenant with Abraham, I should say, that Israel will always have a homeland in the promised land. It's going to confirm their right to exist there. That's uh, God's promise, obviously, was given to Abraham way back in Genesis 15, 18. So the fulfillment of this prophecy will be the signing of a peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. Not the Abraham Accords. It's very important that we understand this. And then the prophesied agreement must do five things. These are the characteristics. These are how we know. This is how I know that it's not the Abraham Accords, okay? Big difference. Number one, this prophesied agreement has to establish a Palestinian state in Judea, in the modern-day West Bank. The Abraham Accords does not do that. It will allow the Jewish settlers presently living in Judea to remain in their homes, living as a Jewish minority in the um, Palestinian, the new Palestinian state. The the Abraham Accords does not do that. It will also place the Temple Mount under an internationally supervised sharing arrangement 
allowing for both Jews and Muslims to worship there. Now think about this. The dynamics of that, you do that this morning. Uh, if you were to do that tomorrow morning, we'd be in World War III. I mean, it would you, Gaza, the recent Gaza conflict would be nothing compared to if you started building a third temple up there tomorrow. I mean, you would have Arab countries get up in arms over that. But there will come a time in the near future when a peace agreement will allow for that. That will be one of the concessions that are made. And then also this peace agreement will allow Israel to build the temple. And then the fifth thing would be that Israel will retain control of Jerusalem throughout the end time. They're going to realize the Jerusalem issue is never going to be settled. But they're going to say, hey... Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's get all we can done. There, there, it's even been proposed by many people that we sign an interim agreement because Jerusalem is never going to be agreed upon. Even in the Battle of Armageddon, it's not going to be agreed upon. So they're actually going to capture half of the city at that point. So this is the, this is the dynamics going on in Israel. And this is the, these are the characteristics that we will see in the the future Palestinian-Israeli agreement. It's got to be between the Israelis and the Palestinians. That's how we'll know the agreement that will start the final seven years. And so when we see this prophesied peace agreement, because all of these things are biblical characteristics, we didn't make these up. We did, this is not, uh, you know, I mean, <clears throat> these are things that are actually in the Bible that have to do with the peace agreement because we know these things are going to happen in the end time. And if, like I said, if they were to happen now without a peace agreement, it's all out war. The intifada would be nothing compared to this conflict. So there's going to be a peace agreement that allows these things to happen. It's mentioned in Daniel 9:27. So when we see this prophesied peace agreement, then we can know assuredly the final seven years of the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ has begun. I will be able to come on the air and say, folks, we're in the final seven years. There will come a time in the near future when I do that. I had taught, it's um, kind of comical and it's kind of a weighty situation as well. I had talked to my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, for years. And I said, look, when it comes time to make that big announcement, I want you to be on the radio that day. If it's my day, you can take that day because... Uh, I want you to be the one to make the announcement. Well, when he passed away on November 3rd, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm going to be the one that makes that announcement someday. What a weighty matter. I mean, you're talking about the final seven years beginning to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I had somebody over the weekend tell me, you know, no, the Bible says no man knoweth the day or the hour. And so there's no way. It, it, it can't happen like this. Well, 2,000 years ago, they couldn't know the day or the hour. The Bible says, no man knoweth the day or the hour. So, knoweth is the present tense form of know. None of the apostles understood the writings of Daniel. You understand? None, they didn't understand about the modern nations that were going to be here at the time of his second coming. They, they didn't understand about all that stuff. And so, the Lord even told Daniel... Daniel, you close up and seal your book because it's for the time of the end. It was not for the time of the apostles. The apostles on the 
Mount of Olives at the Olivet Discourse, they asked Jesus, they said, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of this age? They did not understand that it was going to be 2,000 years in the future. And in Acts chapter 1, they actually asked the Lord, hey, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, no, no, it's not for you guys to know. Read it. But it wasn't for them to know. But in the end, Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you, so, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, let him, with, let him with, uh, that has understanding. Matter of fact, well, I don't have it up before me, but it, it, there is going to be an understanding of these things. In uh, Revelation 13, 16 through 18, when it talks about the... Um, well, in Matthew 24, it says, uh, he who, uh, man, I'm trying to think of the, the quotation there. Um, as the, when you see the abomination of spoken of by the prophet uh, Daniel, they didn't understand that prophecy that Daniel had prophesied because they didn't understand the book of Daniel. But when you get to the mark of the beast, it, when it talks about the mark of the beast, it says, let him that hath understanding count the number of the name. There, they knew that there would be people at the time of the second coming who had understanding. Uh, Daniel said in Daniel eleven thirty two and 33, during the time of the Antichrist, that they that do know their God shall be strong into exploits and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. So there will be people who have understanding of the prophecies in the end time that would be able to help people know about when all these things were going to come to pass. You understand this is this is very important because the Lord did not want us to walk through the end times just blindly like we're walking in a fog. No, he gave us all these prophecies so we could know and understand them so we could say, hey, so and so, let me show you what's going on. The, pop, the Bible prophesies about this 2000 years ago. Look at this news article I just read. You understand we're not very far from the second coming of Jesus Christ. They could not say that back at the time when the apostles were here because they, they didn't know. And the Lord in, in, the, in the Olivet Discourse, he was talking to us. He said, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, that he was prophesying about the time of his second coming. Remember, they asked him, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of this age? The end of the age is just ahead of us now. We are the generations the generation who will see the Lord come back. The apostles saw him go in Acts chapter one. We will see him come back. And so that's why it's so important that we understand these prophecies. We don't have hundreds and hundreds of years for this stuff to take place. It also lets us know as the church that there needs to be an urgency in all of us to preach and teach the gospel to every creature on the planet. We can't sit back and say, well, you know, I'm just going to take a, a nap and let this thing, you know, uh, let somebody else do it. No, no. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ in the earth. We're supposed to be marching through and teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God all the way throughout the end time. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. 
When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So there are two main topics of discussion that are going on between Israel and the United States. And that's the Israeli-Palestinian issue and the Iranian nuclear deal. These are the two things that are being talked about. So we talked about the Palestinian-Israeli issue and what's going on with that. And there, there, I could cover, there's tons of articles on this stuff, everybody. This is what they're talking about. But at this juncture, it, I've got, it's, it must be noted that there is a war that's coming that will emanate out of the Middle East region and it's going to result in the killing of one third of the world's population. It's, it, the, the war is called the Six Trumpet War because it occurs at the sounding of the Six Trumpet uh, described in Revelation uh, 9 verse 13 through 18. And the war is going to take place either just before or shortly after the peace agreement is signed. The Bible doesn't tell us which one takes place first. But at the latest, it's got to occur before the final three and one half years begins. And honestly, it could, it could conceivably happen at any time now if it hasn't already begun. So let me give you a quick update on kind of what's going on. There will be a conflict in the Middle East. Now, there's conflicts around the world going on right now, which could spark this possible World War III. But... Because the Bible says that it's going to happen in the Euphrates River region, you understand that President Biden just gave the okay for us to um, go in and bomb some facilities that were keeping bombs and different things where they were using uh, these implements to fire on U.S. forces over there. So he went in and bombed them. And, you know, because of the way the election went down and everything was all kind of shady, you never know really what's the true, what's the truth? Uh, because, of, hey, the Biden administration did this. Well, did they really? I mean, you, you never know because the, the foundation for this whole administration is so shady and shaky and you just don't know. It's hard for you to really put your fingers on. Did they really do it for this reason or didn't they? So I, I try to step back out of it and look at the big picture 
But I will tell you that the facilities that they bombed in Iraq there, they're very close to the Euphrates River. If you look at the map and where they bombed, the maps I looked at today, they all, it's just right there by the Euphrates River. So I watch what happens in the Euphrates River, like, just like a hawk. And so I always watch and I always follow very closely the Iran, Israel, U.S. situation leading to a conflict. Because you're talking about bringing in the, the world's nuclear arsenal at that point. Um, several Arab nations. You let, let me give you just a little bit of history, and I'll bring you up. You you understand? Several. I just talked about it. Several Arab nations, including the United Arab Emirates. We're talking about the Abraham Accords. They formally announced diplomatic ties with Israel in uh, just last year, 2020. There was a huge advancement for the Middle East peace process. Now, I, again, I just talked to you and explained all that. The Abraham Accords could lead to the peace agreement. But still in the grand scheme of things, you've got Arab nations that are on board that have never been on board with a peace process unless something was done between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So Iran has pushed back strongly on those pro-Israeli developments and continued to finance and train anti-Israel militias and terrorist groups across the region. Because Iran really wants to wipe Israel and the United States off the map. Well, they've funded all these terrorist groups, including um, forces in Gaza, Syria, Lebanon, Yemen. And Israel has been openly striking at Iranian military targets outside of Iran, while slowly building an anti-Iran coalition across the Middle East. Well, Iran is sitting there watching this, you understand. They're becoming even more dangerous and more isolated as it continues to develop its nuclear program. Iran, number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. And they want a nuclear weapon. Can you imagine the devastation that they could do if a nuclear weapon could get in the hands of a terrorist organization? So the likelihood of a military clash between Iran and Israel, it continues to escalate. It's in the news every day, especially since the United States decision to unilaterally pull out of the 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iran nuclear deal, under the, the uh, Trump administration, which made it difficult for Iran to develop nuclear weapons covertly. They, we, they, President Trump just hammered them with sanctions. Well, now we've got the Obama administration who's wanting to pull them sanctions off and enter into a new Iran deal. If Iran suspects that it's in danger of being surrounded by pro-Israel countries with the, let's say the Arab, uh, the Abraham Accords, it, it could decide to carry out a preemptive strike directly against Israel or against a neighbor. Now, it would be... That would be very bad on their part because Israel has nuclear weapons, you understand. Well, why do you think Iran's trying to get nuclear weapons? So you never know. They might try a preemptive strike against Israel or one of their neighbors, uh, maybe a Saudi Arabia, 
as a warning that nations should continue to distance themselves from Israel. That's the way Iran wanted the Middle East set up. They wanted all, even though there were Sunni Arabs and Shia Arabs, and they're against each other, but they, they even though they, they hate each other, they don't want their Sunni Arabs uh, normalizing relations with Israel. And Israel might find it's, it necessary to retaliate so its diplomatic efforts are not wasted, right? So you remember um, under the Trump administration, Kelly Kraft, as she was the ambassador to the United Nations under the Trump administration, she explained why it was important to maintain economic pressure against Iran. And she said, you know, the United States has to keep the pressure on the regime in Tehran as long as it creates conflict, chaos, and human suffering. They, they've done this. They've got about half a million terrorist proxies around the world. And between four and 500,000 in over 30 countries. They're endangering millions of innocent men, women, and children in Syria, Yemen, Lebanon, Iraq, and other parts of the Middle East. Uh, and it cannot be tolerated. So Kelly Kraft said, hey, Cutting off revenue to the world's number one sponsor of terror will save lives to crippling their economy. And Iran is likely to strike Israel and the United States bases in the Middle East. And its missiles are also capable of reaching most parts of Europe. And it endangers key NATO nations, including the United Kingdom. So imagine if they were to somehow fit a nuclear warhead on one of those missiles. And they're the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. So you understand the dynamics here. I, 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 we watched the Syrian civil war and different conflicts uh, between these Arab nations in the Middle East along the Euphrates River. But you've got to understand the dynamics of what's going on with Iran, Israel, and the United States. That's the one I really watch. I cannot say that that will be the one that starts World War III. But if once you understand the dynamics going on there, in other words, Syria, Lebanon, they're not the number one state sponsor of terrorism. Iran is. And Iran once is constantly saying, we want to wipe Israel off the planet. We want to wipe the United States off. Little Satan and big Satan. And so what better way to do that than with a bomb? Israel is very small. Israel's like a third the size of Rhode Island. I mean, it's very, very small. Israel has been called a one-bomb state, which means that one megaton bomb and an airburst over Tel Aviv would really annihilate the country. Israel's prime minister, uh, the previous prime minister, Netanyahu, he actually said, I would never allow Iran to attain, uh, obtain a nuclear capability to carry out its genocidal goal of eliminating Israel. Well, I promise you, Naftali Bennett knows exactly what's going on with Iran. And he's been talking about it in the news. Hey, the whole world needs to understand the dynamics going on here with Iran. And he's saying, we, we will never allow them to get a nuclear weapon. If Israel fears that Iran is nearing production of the bomb, it might feel compelled to attack first. Matter of fact, I can guarantee you they would. And they won't wait on the United States. They'll go it alone if they have to. Which they may have to do with 
if the current administration is still in there. So the, re- the resulting engagement would threaten the world's oil supply. I mean, think about this. It would draw Russia, the United States, China, all of them into the conflict. Russia and the United States, they control 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. So you can imagine if they went at it head to head in the Middle East region, right there along the Euphrates River. Think about that. Now, probably won't stay there because the Bible says one third of the world's population is going to be destroyed. Also, it says in that prophecy that a 200 million man army will participate in that war. There are three entities that can field an army of 200 million soldiers, China, India, and the Islamic faction, the Muslim faction on the earth, the Islamic faction. So now if you go look on the internet and say, how many people are in the military of China? It's not going to say 200 million. But if you look at the people that are of military age in China, they could easily field an army of 200 million soldiers. Women, they could do a draft. They could do whatever they needed to do. But they could field out of, what do they have, like 1.4 billion people? They could field an army of 200 million soldiers. So could India. And I think I just read today that the Islamic faction on the earth has 1.8 billion adherents. They could field an army of military age people between the ages of, I think it's like 18 and 33 or something like that. So they could easily field an army of 200 million soldiers. So the Iranian state-controlled television released a video over uh, the first weekend in May depicting Iran's military forces marching before the United States Capitol building just before the famous Capitol Dome explodes. They want to destroy us, you understand. Iranian Supreme Leader uh, Ali Khomeini, he can be seen in that video praising the country's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and the IRGC leader Qassam Soleimani, who was killed in that drone strike by uh, when President Trump was still in office. And the propaganda attack was released even as the Biden administration considered rolling back some of the most crippling Trump-era sanctions in a bid to get to the the Islamic Republic to return to compliance with that 2015 nuclear deal. I I can't explain that one. There's many things going on right now I can't explain because I, I don't understand what's going through the thinking of the current administration. I mean, we say we, we're Israelis, Israel's ally, but yet we would remove sanctions on the number one state sponsor of terrorism that wants to destroy them, that eventually allowing them to get a nuclear weapon. Can anybody figure that out and let me know why that is? Possibly because they're all caught up in a world government and the world government may want that to happen. I mean, I don't know. The world government's anti-Israel. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. You know, everyone, that's a very, very ominous prophecy. And you're talking about killing one-third of the world's population, over two billion people. But I can see how it's coming. I mean, think about this. With Russia and China that are steadfast allies of Iran, analysts have believed that an attack on Iran would surely trigger a world war. You'd bring in the United States. You you possibly would bring in NATO members. You would bring in, uh, if it would bring in Russia and China and, I mean... What an ominous prophecy. And if it, 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 some people believe that World War III has already began and that we've, it will escalate to the point in the future when there will be mass casualties. Because really, we've kind of been at war with Iran for 40 some years. And, but it hasn't escalated to the point where people would start throwing around nuclear weapons. But it's got to be a nuclear war, World War III. It's got to be. To kill that many people, you can't do that with machine guns. I mean, that's, what, 40 times. See, World War II had uh, 50. So you're looking at, what, 40 times, 40-plus times the casualties of World War II. Over 2.5 billion, 2.5 billion people. So... A lot of people have said, well, I, I don't know if Israel would go it alone. Well, no, I, I can guarantee you Israel, if they had to, they would go it alone. Again, remember, Israel, one, a one bomb, a one nuclear bomb nation. And they, they absolutely would go it alone. Um, interestingly, the Jerusalem Post just ran an article 40 years ago this month on June 7th, 1981. The Israeli Air Force launched a surprising and successful attack known as Operation Opera against Iraq's nuclear reactor at Osirak. And this was the beginning of a a turning point in the history of the Middle East as the so-called Begin, Menachem Begin, the Begin Doctrine was born. And it meant that Israel would never allow a hostile country to develop nuclear weapons period. A hostile country. Well, Iran fits that bill, the number one sponsor of terrorism. And so in 2007, Israel launched a surprising and successful attack against Syria's secret nuclear reactor in Deir Azor region, right by the Euphrates River. And for many years, Israel has been conducting both a public and secret campaign aimed at thwarting Iran's nuclear program. But when all is said and done, 
Israel will be willing and said, look, matter of fact, I think I saw that in the news recently where they said, hey, even if United States, if you're not on board with this, if you go, you know, Biden administration, if you go back into that JCPOA or another Iran nuclear deal and it gets to the point where they're going to get a nuclear weapon, we're willing to go alone because you understand Israel has nuclear capability. They've got nuclear bombs. They're willing to go in there and they're willing, they're willing to handle because they're never going to allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. They would, do, they would destroy them. And so you can see the dynamics going on in the Middle East. And the Bible says, loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. Four to kill one third the part of mankind. So the Euphrates River, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. Right there. So, a very ominous prophecy, but th- these are the things that are being talked about between Blinken, the Obama administration, our Secretary of State, and Naftali Bennett, Yair Lapid. The, you look in the news. These are the two main things. The Iran war, which they're having uh, meetings in uh, Vienna to strike back up a new nuclear deal with Iran. And so... In the grand scheme of things, when you look back on, let's say if we're building a timeline here, in the aftermath of this Six Trumpet War, the Six Trumpet War and the peace agreement are the next two things to be fulfilled on God's prophetic timeline. So in the aftermath of the Six Trumpet War, where over 2 billion people will have been killed, there's going to be a cry for a global organization that can prevent war. And it's going to be deafening. The international community, they're going to adopt a a world-governing entity to eliminate the possibility of a global war ever taking place again. It's already happened. World War I, you had the League of Nations. World War II, you had the United Nations. Well, imagine after World War III, and this may all be by grand design. I would hate to think that there was somebody out there who could have the mind that could kill a third of the world's population. But there are people that think like that. Don't you ever forget it. And it's a twisted, horrible way of thinking. It's really got to be satanic. It has to be. But there are people that would say, hey, we need to decrease the surplus population of the world. We don't have the, um, the, the resources to sustain them. There are people that their mind could actually go there. Let's just wipe so many of them out. There are people whose mind that will go there. I can't even I can't even comprehend that. And so the nations of the world will be willing after this war most of the nations on the planet are going to be willing to yield up their sovereignty to this new world government so that it can eliminate a global war from ever happening again. Or a, a really a war period. I mean, if all the nations of the world yield up their sovereignty, yield up their militaries, yield up their weapons, and they take the they take the they disarm their people, their citizens, then it's absolute control with no means of resistance, right? I mean, that's what our forefathers, that's what the Second Amendment was all about. Is when, if a, if a tyrannical government ever de, tried to usurp authority over the population, that's what we got the Second Amendment for. And so, 
the, the Antichrist, the United Nations is all about disarmament. Out in front of the United Nations, there's a huge revolver, a statue. It's probably six or eight feet long with the gun barrel tied in a knot. They're all about disarmament. Why do they want to disarm everybody? Absolute control with no means of resistance. Antonio Guterres has been recently given speeches where he's, he's upset because the United Nations doesn't have the teeth. He's actually said teeth that we should have these international organizations. They don't have the teeth. Well, when he says teeth, what's he talking about? Enforcement methods. He wants to be able to dictate as the leader of the world government to nations around the world and they bow down to his edicts. But right now they just have the general assembly and they have, you know, and people just go in there and they give these great speeches and all these different things, but nothing really ever happens. So he's saying he's upset. The United Nations should have teeth, enforcement methods. Folks, this is what's going on in our world. And so the, the, there will come a time when they will be able to dictate to most of the nations on the planet. You know, and what are they really trying to do? Well, it's been generally believed that there are two major conflicts for war on earth. Conflicts between nations, conflicts between religions. And the solution is simple in the minds of global leaders. Hey, number one, we've got to do away with nation states and we've got to force everyone on earth to pledge allegiance to one single ultimate political authority, a world government. You want to know what's going on with the Texas border down here? And why we have an administration that won't even go down there and visit it? I understand Kamala Harris just went down and visited El Paso. Well, let her go down where it's really bad. And to see what's really going on. Let her go down where the coyotes are calling. And I mean, it's like, go down there where it's really bad. But yes, she did make a, a um, an appearance in, in El Paso. And But what's really going on with the border down here? The United Nations wants nations of the world not to protect their borders, not to have borders because they want to create a global state that answers to a world government. So President Trump was trying to protect the border. He's trying to build a wall. And the international community just demonized him for that. Well, now you have an administration that's pro-global, that's pro as a globalist entity. Joe Biden's a globalist. He believes in a world government. He believes in the United Nations. So what happens? He's not planning on protecting the border. Kamala Harris isn't planning on protecting the border. And so I live in Texas. Texas is having to protect the border, which is the job of the federal government. And so this is really the dynamics of what's going on here. But if you understand the world government, the reason I'm telling you about these things is because we're going through this stuff right now. The precursors to a World War III, precursors to this peace agreement that's going to be established that will start the final seven years. We're living through the establishment of the, the end-time world government. We're living through the establishment of the end-time world religious system. We're living through precursors to the mark of the beast, this global numbering system that will keep everybody from being able to buy or sell if they don't comply with the edicts of the world governing body. Folks, this is happening as I speak to you. It's so easy to prove this stuff. 
We're not guessing. We're not wondering. Let me see. When will we be in the end time? Folks, we're there. We are there. And this should, this should create a sense of urgency in us to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. That's the only place of safety. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I was with a, a wonderful pastor friend of mine, two of them, uh, this weekend in South Flint. Bishop Robert Henson. And he's the bishop of South Flint Tabernacle. And then his son-in-law, Pastor Jason McGee. And we were talking about this. And we were talking about the end time scenario and everything that's going on. And the dynamics of this, it's really kind of, of, of shocking what's really going on in the United States and around the world. Because they live in Michigan under Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And you understand Texas has been open for months with the mask and a whole, but Michigan just opened up because they've got a governor who believes in control, control, control. They're, they lived under it, but their church went ahead and had church because they're not living in fear mode. They went ahead and had church. Nobody ever said anything to them. And people could stay home if they wanted to, but they went ahead and had church and God's blessed them for it. They've got, they've got new families and it's, it's awesome what's going on there. So these are the dynamics going on in the United States and around the world right now. The, the, the geopolitical situation going on in the Middle East. I wanted to give you an update because folks, we're living in the end time. I mean, this stuff is happening. If you follow the news at all, you can see what I'm saying is true. And the, the, the increase in the LGBTQ community, it's prophesied in the Bible. You can see what's going on with the Supreme Court's decision today in favor of a transgender individual using bathrooms of their identity, not, how they were, not of their, uh, that the, um, their biological person that was put on their birth certificate. And so this world's crazy, but this world's not my home. I'm just passing through, not looking to the government for my place of security. I've got my hand in the Lord's hand. I'm serving Jesus Christ. And that's where my safety comes from. Not in fear mode. I'm in faith mode going through the end time. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 